birth took a life. Her life birthed a nightmare. And her greatest loves died way too soon. Most of us have read and watched the various versions of Frankenstein. The image of the nameless monster created by a mad scientist is at the center of horror culture. But what inspired such a horrific and grisly tale? Mary Shelley's life was its own gothic tragedy, full of loss, pain, and even a few monsters. I'm Vanessa K. Eccles, and this is Fabled. My life has always been filled with monsters. Some were gentle, some passionate, some quiet and unsuspecting, some men, some women and some bone-chilling, terrifying. I've never known a world without them. I am my own monster too, I suppose, bred and attached, a menagerie of parts of both my parents, idealistic, revered, hated, and admonished. As I etch these words into my journal, I feel the infant in my lap grow colder, Its eyes are mercifully closed, but I can't help remembering when they were wide, alive and blue like Percy's. She is our creation, a piece of us, stitched together by horrific circumstances, an abandoned marriage, and forsaken families, and a taboo romance that probably should have never been, but couldn't be resisted. Percy has already made his peace with our loss, already dreaming up new poetry and visions of our future together. But something deep within my soul whispers softly, Cursed. Holding our nameless monster, I wonder if it was a mercy to her that she not know the pains of having outlaw parents or a world that would surely reject and spit curses on her beautiful spirit. I caress her cheek. The faint light from the chamber stick grows even dimmer as I try to push back my wanderings about where Percy is at this early morning hour. I want to be present with her, only her, her cheek pressed to my chest, her lips, his lips, pursed as if she is sending me sweet air kisses. My heart feels numb as if it's missing, and I no longer sense its beat beneath my shift and skin. Will I ever be able to breathe again? The words fall from my mouth into the small, dark room, filling the corners with my own shadows, releasing what haunts me into the space. I lay the child in bed, our beautiful monster, and my arms hang limp at my sides as I force myself to create distance from what Percy and I created. 
My feet stumble across the planked floor, grit and dust sullying them. The sun has yet to come up outside. The city is quiet. It's almost as if it's morning, too. A still silence that's stretched further than my own heart. The thick gray skies morph into something ominous. The clouds darken despite the nearness of dawn, and suddenly a strike of lightning lights the sky. Stretching its illuminated branch like arms across the city and to my window. I jump back, temporarily blinded by the burst of light in the room. When my eyes adjust, I watch helplessly as the electric arm slithers like a snake across the ceiling, then down the cracked plaster walls and into the bed with my baby. Another surge of light erupts in the space, and I cover my eyes instinctively, but force them open when a boom of thunder shakes the floor beneath me. The arm is gone. I watch the baby lift her hands into the air. Her tiny fingers stretch into the darkness. I gasp and nearly fall as I rush to her side. Her bright, cool eyes stare up at me, and she smiles. My heart begins to thump in my chest again. Someone walks down the hall, heavy footsteps echoing. The boots on wood grow louder, stopping at our door. The screech of hinges catches my attention, and I open my eyes. It's Percy. She's awake, I tell him hot tears streaming down my cheeks. His eyes widen, but he doesn't say anything. He crawls into the bed with us. I steady his face, anticipating his gleeful response, but when his eyes meet her, a shadow drifts across them, and he quickly jerks out of bed. He's pulling the door open again, and my heart falls away once more. It was only a dream, Mary, he says in a voice so soft, I can hardly make out the words. Moments later, I'm barely able to scrawl in my journal. What happened? Dreamed that my baby came to life again. Awake and find no baby. They say that thou wert lovely from thy birth, of glorious parents, thou aspiring child. That's a quote about Mary by Percy. Mary was born to infamous parents on August 30th, 1797. Her mother, Mary Wollstonecraft, was the famed author of A Vindication of the Rights of Women and her father, William Godwin, was a political reformer and philosopher. Both of them were respected and renowned in the progressive movement that was building during the time. They had a tumultuous marriage 
but from all accounts their love was strong and undeniable. Too bad it was short-lived. Only six months after marrying William Godwin, Mary Wollstonecraft gave birth to a daughter, Mary. She suffered from blood poisoning and died ten days later. Young Mary's mother birthed a monster that would kill her. At least, I'm sure that thought haunted her since childhood. Four years later, her father married a widow named Mary Jane Claremont. I know, I know, lots of Marys in this tale. I'll attempt to keep them sorted. Like most stepmothers in tales of both fiction and otherwise, there was no warm, fuzzy feelings shared by young Mary and her stepmother. But she adored her father, saying, quote, He was my God, and I remember many childish instances of the excess of attachment I bore for him. After spending two years in Scotland with family friends where she enjoyed wide-open spaces and her imagination soared with stories, she returned home to her father's house and at the age of 16 met the young poet Percy Shelley. Percy was an admirer of her father's work and philosophy. He was a daily visitor to their home, and the two of them quickly fell in love. But there was one problem. Percy was still married to a woman named Harriet. Despite William's earlier devotion to free love without the tie of marriage, he did not support his daughter and Percy's relationship. He feared what would happen to her if she decided on a path with the arguably womanizing, often unstable Percy Shelley. Only a few months later, Mary became pregnant. They left for Europe, taking Mary's stepsister Claire Claymont with them. They spent six weeks wandering France, Switzerland, and Germany before returning home for Mary to give birth to a daughter. Sadly, the child was premature and died 12 days later. A year later, in 1816, she gave birth to another child, a son named William. Though the couple were both strong, passionate people who admired and loved each other, their relationship suffered many hardships. Percy's financial situation was rocky at best. They often had to move around to evade creditors and avoid arrest. And Mary wasn't the only one having an affair with a brilliant, albeit married, poet of the time. Her stepsister, Claire, developed a brief relationship with Lord Byron and became pregnant. Trying to avoid the scandal of separating from his wife, Lord Byron decided to stay in Geneva, Switzerland, accompanied by his personal physician and also writer, John Polidori. He was soon joined by Percy Shelley and his then-mistress, our beloved Mary, and his lover, Claire. Historian Elma Dangerfield described it as, quote, the most brilliant and romantic circle of poets, writers, and personalities which Switzerland and Europe has ever seen. There was something in the air the summer of 1816, Mount Tambora in Indonesia erupted shortly before, sending ash into the sky, causing a thick gray cold to cover the northern hemisphere. The summer was wet and cold without much sunshine, and 1816 became known as the year without a summer. 
It was the perfect backdrop for monsters. Mary later described how the thunderstorms, rain, and gloomy weather were non-stop that summer. Their time there was a gothic story in and of itself. With so many literary geniuses in one place, it's not surprising that history was made. With wine and opium flowing freely and the frightful weather, it's easy to see how our lovely Mary birthed her terrifying monster. They spent their days exploring and writing, but one night changed everything. Lord Byron read aloud a haunting poem, and Percy hallucinated that Mary's nipples had turned to demon eyes. He ran hysterically from the room, convinced he would be harmed. It was this horrific scene that began the birth of the plot to Frankenstein. It was the summer of monsters. Byron wrote several haunting poems, Percy worked on his hymn to intellectual beauty, and Dr. Polidori wrote a short story called The Vampire, which was inspired by his employer, the insatiable womanizing Byron, and later inspired Bram Stoker's Dracula. This was perhaps the most remarkable and happiest time Percy and Mary ever spent together. Percy, who had always been prone to despair and depression, even wrote to his half-sister that summer, I dared to write down in my pocketbook that I was happy. The next six years would throw much pain the couple's way. Mary's sister, Fanny, committed suicide. Two months later, Percy's abandoned wife, who was pregnant, drowned herself in the Serpentine Lake. This freed the couple to marry, which they did finally, but it was anything but a blissful union. Percy petitioned the court for the children he shared with Harriet, but the court deemed him morally unfit. In September of 1818, Mary's third child, Clara, died, and her son, William, died nine months later to malaria, which was attacking Italy at the time. Mary wrote, We came to Italy thinking to do Shelley's health good, but the climate is not by any means warm enough to be of benefit to him, and yet it is that that has destroyed my two children. Mary began spiraling into a dark depression her health started failing, and her spirits were as low as they'd ever been. But hope came in the form of another child, Percy Florence, in November of 1819. Sadly, she had a miscarriage the following spring, and Claire's daughter also died that year. Mary's marriage was also failing. Her sorrow caused her to withdraw from her husband, and the free-loving Percy began giving their friend Jane Williams the attention he refused to give his wife. But Percy had always had trouble with fidelity. He's believed to have had a brief affair with Claire, Mary's stepsister, and he even encouraged Mary to have her own affairs, which she resisted. All of this caused an unbearable tension on the marriage. The distance between Mary and Percy never resolved. In July of 1822, Percy drowned at sea while on a sailing trip. He was only 29 years old. 
Mary was forever haunted by the state of their relationship before his death. A widow at the age of 24, Mary returned to England with a mission to share Percy's poetry and recover his name, which had been sullied by his affairs and radical philosophies. He also set out with a goal to support her and her son by her writing, which she accomplished. She spent the rest of her life writing books, short stories, and worked on several editions of Percy's writings. In 1844, Percy's wealthy father died, leaving their son his estate. During her last years, she enjoyed the company of her beloved son and her dear friend, Jane Gibson, who her son married in 1848. She died in 1851 from a suspected brain tumor at the age of 53. Mary once said, Life and death appeared to me ideal bounds, which I should first break through and pour a torrent of light into our dark world. In life, she suffered more than most. In literature classes, professors and students often debate if it takes a tragedy to birth greatness. So many brilliant authors and artists suffered unspeakable pain only to later gain infamy because of how they could authentically tap into the darkest, most vulnerable places of the human soul. It's a strong argument for sure, but I hope it's not one that's true. Mary Shelley's life is its own gothic novel, but Frankenstein was her most significant literary achievement. She began writing it when she was only 18 years old. She published the book in 1818 anonymously, and it was no accident that she didn't give her monster a name. When the story went to the theater, it didn't have a name either. Only a blank was printed on the playbill, to which Mary remarked, This nameless mode of naming the unnameable is rather good. As Jill Lepore in The New Yorker noted, quote, She herself had no name of her own, like the creature pieced together from cadavers collected by Victor Frankenstein. Her name was an assemblage of parts, the name of her mother, the feminist Mary Wollstonecraft, stitched to that of her father, the philosopher William Godwin, grafted onto that of her husband, the poet Percy Shelley, as if Mary Wollstonecraft, Godwin Shelley, were the sum of her relations, bone of their bone, and flesh of their flesh. End quote. Literary theories swirl about the connection between birth and creator and how that connection was very real in Mary's life. She birthed four children and only one survived. And she had a miscarriage. These significant losses no doubt played a part in her creations. Days after losing their first child, she wrote in her diary, Dream that my little baby came to life again that had only been cold, and that we rubbed it before the fire and it lived, awake and find no baby. Her fascination with bringing death to life surely could have been inspired by the deepest desires and longings of her broken heart. But she also knew that death is natural, and to bring something back unnaturally may be the most terrifying thing of all. 
Giving birth to something is always a risk, a mystery that can only be solved with time. A parent can only imagine what a child will grow to become, and the truth remains. Mothers give birth to monsters all the time. Mary's exploration of motherhood had not been so explored by women authors during the 18th and 19th centuries. The Brontes, Austen, Dickinson, for example, were not mothers. Despite the creator of the monster being Victor in the book, Mary brought a unique and haunting aspect of motherhood to the world. But Mary's victory in creation was overshadowed by her sadness. After Percy's death, she began a journal which she called her Journal of Sorrow, where she spoke to Percy and lamented about the horrors of living without him. In it, she recreated a romance with the husband she missed. Rumors circulated that she had been cold to Percy before his death, but she was dealing with her own demons, ghosts of heartbreaking losses. Percy and Mary were but characters, trying to survive the roles of this tragic life. Aren't we all? But what happened to the other people from that summer, you may be wondering. The greatest stars of history, as well as in the heavens, shine the brightest, but die young. The mysterious Gothic summer of several glorious romantic writers will live in infamy. Lord Byron died of a fever at the age of 36. And Dr. Polidori committed suicide after never becoming known for his tale of the vampire which had been published without his permission under Lord Byron's name. Even though Polidori was later named the author of the vampire, people continued to believe it was Byron's, sending the doctor into a depression he would never recover from. In 2009, the biographer Daisy Hay found pages of Mary's stepsister Claire's autobiography. In them, Claire curses the idea of free love and claims the idea made Byron and Percy, quote, monsters of lying, meanness, cruelty, and treachery. She died at the age of 80, the only one to live into old age. In the end, the tale of a fateful haunted summer would change the course of popular culture and literary history. It would shape the most famous monsters in the world. It would push the bounds of human imagination, and new nightmares were born. I suppose we all have our monsters, but only some of us are brave enough to birth them. Fabled is produced by me, Vanessa K. Eccles, with music by Kevin McLeod and Epidemic Sound. If you'd like to see the transcript and my list of sources, as well as a gothic reading list, please visit the website, fablecollective.com. I'd like to give a shout out to our newest patron, Kelly. Thank you so much for your support. Becoming a patron has many perks, like getting free books, audiobooks, and bonus episodes. It also tells me that you want the show to continue. If you'd like to find out more, see our website for details. And as always, 
Thank you for listening.